Ari, just to avoid any legal snags, you are being recorded. 10-4. Welcome to episode seven of the Legends podcast. I am one half of the hosts. My name is Sam Manheimer. Hey guys, I'm, I'm Ari Levy and uh, I'm not in a great mood today. And neither am I. So we are a little bit down. We're recording on January 3rd, the day after Indiana lost its bowl game in the Outback Bowl to Ole Mississippi. I'm a little bit bloated from the four blooming onions that I ate yesterday, but more so just very down about a, a poor performance from our beloved Hoosiers. So I know I know you said you're a little bloated. Um, I'm much more bloated. Uh, I actually have a list of everything I ate yesterday. Coming off of uh, No Dairy December, along with No Dairy, I did No Beer and No Red Meat. And obviously December's over, but uh, yesterday I had four high noons, an Italian beef sandwich, some beer, some vodka, some whiskey, and then I had a steak for dinner. And I feel terrible today. That sounds pretty heinous. Yeah, it's a, t- it's a really disgusting mix. Well, my diet yesterday consisted of a lot of tears that I was choking on and, and yeah, just pain and sorrow from watching our, our Hoosiers just stink it up on the field. So a couple weeks ago, the college football playoff committee and Kevin Warren, Big Ten commissioner, did a really awful job of putting Indiana in a relevant bowl game. We got relegated to the Outback Bowl, which generally takes place between the third place Big Ten team and I believe the third place SEC team. Um, the way that it worked out, we played an Ole Miss team with a four and five record. I felt very offended by this a few weeks ago. We were six and one, ranked 11th in the country. Seemed like we should have had a better bowl game. And frankly, full disclosure, I was planning on going on a pretty fiery rant on today's podcast following a resounding Indiana win, but that didn't happen. And I think we got to pump the brakes a little bit on how bullish we are on this team now, at least this year. And especially in the context of how the teams that I thought that overshadowed us in the in the playoff rankings fared. So Georgia, they beat undefeated Cincinnati in the Sugar Bowl. I thought that Indiana should have been ranked higher than them. Turns out maybe not. North Carolina, who was the third best ACC team who got into the Orange Bowl, they put up a hell of a fight against the number five Texas A&M Aggies. So hats off to them. And then Iowa State, they beat Oregon rather convincingly in the Fiesta Bowl. So all in told, Indiana maybe didn't deserve to go to those bowl games. And they, they certainly didn't play like yesterday. Pretty pretty tough loss for the boys. I'm still still high on this team going forward. But as of, as of now, I, I don't really feel like the playoff committee screwed us because I think we probably would have gotten our asses kicked by any of those teams that we would have played against. Yeah, it was uh, it was bullshit at the time, and we were both uh, very upset by it. But they they were going up against a four and five Ole Miss team that they should have beat, and they waited too long to get the uh, offense going. Um, if you guys didn't watch, it was uh, twenty to six going into the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and then Indiana put up two touchdowns and tied it, and then Ole Miss scored again. And by that point, Indiana's defense was just really worn out, and the offense took too long to get going. And Ole Miss scored again, and they weren't able to tie it up. And Ole Miss, Ole Miss won that game. So yeah. that's what happened. But Ohio State is going to the national championship, and Indiana only lost by a touchdown. And Ohio State went out there and they decisively beat Clemson. Yeah, it would have felt a lot better if we had been able to cap off the season with a win over an SEC team, given that we came within a touchdown of beating a team going to the national title game. But looking back at that Ole Miss game, they were giving up something like 42 points a game or something like that. And we were only able to score 20 and 14 of those points came in the fourth quarter. We, we had six points going into the fourth quarter. It's ridiculous. Offensive game plan was pretty bad. I mean, you just don't deserve to win a football game if you're not even coming close to scoring a, a, a team's defensive average. It also got me thinking, though, like some of those SEC schools like, you know, Ole Miss is playing against Alabama, Florida, Georgia, LSU, and they're good. They're, they're a, they were a very battle-tested team against some very good teams. And, you know, if Indiana had played any of those teams, it 
knowing what we know now, they, they could have gotten smoked. Yeah. And, and Ole Miss – the record may have not reflected on how good of a team they were, are because they do play in the best conference. But the other thing with Ole Miss was they were missing so many of their best players. I think they were missing Correct. their top two receivers, their tight end, like their leading rusher. So it wasn't like we beat the Ole Miss team that went four and five. We we lost to the Ole Miss team that was missing half of their offense. So, I mean, I, I think it ultimately just boils down to the team just wasn't prepared for that opponent. And we, we wound up getting beat by their second string quarterback who was playing receiver. That's just inexcusable against what is one of the best defenses in the country, at least so we thought. Yeah, th- that's the thing, though. Sometimes in football, when you go against a team where you don't have a lot of film on, on, on a certain player, it, it, it could really work against you. I think we saw that when Indiana played Wisconsin. I remember the odds makers listed uh, Wisconsin as a 14-point favorite when Jack Tuttle was playing his first game, and there was no film on him, and he burned him. And now there's a little film, and we saw what happened. Yeah, and and not to harp on the Hoosiers too much. I, I realize we're being kind of negative here. I think kind of taking a step back a little bit, we do have to look at the season as a whole. At the end of the day, this is a historic season for Indiana. There's Never been a period in our football history where we've beaten Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin in the same year. There there really hasn't been a time where we've pushed Ohio State to the brink like we did this year, especially against a team as talented as as this OSU team. We had a very, very, very good defense this year. Um, Unfortunately, we're losing defensive coordinator Kane Womack to Southern Alabama. But I mean, I think going forward, we burst onto the national scene in a way that we really hadn't in our lifetimes. I think going into next year, there's a lot of momentum that this program can build on. Tom Allen still a lot one of, of the returning best players. Yeah, a lot of returning players. We'll get Penix back. We have some up and coming receivers who I really like. We had we had a decent recruiting class, so I mean I think I think this program can only go up. Definitely a sour note to finish on, but all in all, very excited with the way this season went. Disappointed with the final game, but I think I think we have a bright future ahead of us. I agree. We've touched on it in several podcasts before, and I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I did complete No Dairy December with one tiny infraction. I went over to my parents' place for Hanukkah. And my mom decorated the table with some with some gelt, some little chocolate. And I like really wasn't thinking. And I just picked up one of them and ate it. And it was a milk chocolate. I'm so, I don't like to count it against me because I didn't really realize that I did it until I did it. So that was my only infraction. Otherwise, I completed without uh, eating any dairy or consuming dairy. Uh, I switched to a no dairy yogurt. I didn't have any cheese. I found substitutes. And overall, I felt really great going forward. I might limit the amount of dairy that I eat, but I highly recommend that people try it out and just see how you feel. It's it's definitely a game changer. As a lifelong non-dairian, I can let you know that there are points in time where I'll just bite the bullet and have a little bit of dairy. So I don't think that one little infraction on a piece of Hanukkah gelt's going to going to sink the ship by any means. Sometimes if somebody offers me a really tasty looking treat, I'll just say screw it and I'll eat it. So definitely understand where you're coming from. The, the only difference is that you're allergic to dairy. So like it could hurt you a lot more than it could actually hurt me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, like if I just have a very, very small amount, I don't really notice any sort of... Could you have a piece of pizza? No, that would be too much. But I mean, if, if I'm given a little piece of milk chocolate, like it's not going to yeah. put me put me down for a week. Um, Ice cream or two? I, I would not do that. There was one point actually though in college where it was after after like a tailgate or something like that. That's when that's when the bad things always happen. Yeah, somebody after somebody ordered a pizza and no I was are given. Yeah, somebody ordered a pizza and I was super hungry and I was like, you know what, like let's just see what happens. And I, I ate a piece of pizza and it was just like the absolute wrong move for me to make. But it was a learning experience. I haven't done anything like that since. My question for you, Ari, is are there any dairy substitutes or alternatives that you think you'll consistently go to? Like, did you get into oat milk or any sort of like products like that, that you think you'll use? So no oat milk. I've been on the almond milk train for a while and I really like that. You get a nice huge box of like 18 almond milks for 16 bucks at, uh, at Costco. So I've been going ham on those. I really do like almond milk. The no dairy yogurt was good when you mix it with smoothies. Per your recommendation, I did get the TB12 plant-based protein with no dairy in it. 
Um, I really like that because like, I do like dairy, but it, it slows you down. I, I really do think it slows you down. And post-workout, I don't necessarily need to eat the protein with dairy in it, which is what I've been doing. So I did go to the plant-based protein. I did order it December 3rd and did not get it until December 24th. So I, there was most of the month I just didn't have it, but it is really good. It's mostly made of chickpeas, I think, but it's like a stickier powder, but it's it's very good. And I definitely feel good after consuming it. So I think going forward, I might you know roll with that. I didn't complain to the website about how long it took, but they did send me a 20% off for being patient. So probably get a, probably get some more of it going forward. Man, shout out Tom Brady. Yeah, TB12. I, I wanted to write them like a strongly worded email and be like, I deserve a day with Tom Brady because I waited so long for his product. Just see if I could like, I don't know, like make a wish or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Tom would be happy to grant that to you, Ari. I'm sure, I'm sure he's got a lot of time. I mean, he's not up to too much these days. Yeah, just 17 straight years of 10 plus winning, which is crazy. In the yeah, NFL. Going to the playoffs for basically his entire career. But yeah, I'm yeah. sure he could find time to hang out with you, Ari. I'd be like, you don't, I'm like, you don't even need to host me. I'll, I'll go down to Tampa. I'll stay at the Meckler's place and I'll just hang out with you for one day. <laughs> you, you really make it easy on him. Yeah. Well, congratulations on completing one month of non-dairy. Uh, no meat, no meat March is coming up. We would love some of the viewers to join us. Yeah. If there's any sort of acronyms that you guys can come up with for other months and things that we can cut out of our diets, feel free to let us know. There, if there's non, non-dairy December, there could be no jelly January. February could be no fat-soluble foods February. You know, there, there's lots of stuff we could think of, but I'm sure the listeners can come up with better ideas. Yeah, so if anyone has any good ideas, let us know. Nyman talked about Metamucil March. I don't think I need Metamucil, but I might try the no meat. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. So I think we can move into the interview. We have a very special guest joining us, Barrett Rosenbaum. He's one of our very good friends from college. Barrett has made his career thus far in cloud-based software sales. He's had a bit of an up and down experience in sales, but he's come through in in a big way and we're excited to bring you his story. And now we welcome on a very special friend of the program, a former roommate of mine, fraternity brother, legend, the one and only Barrett Rosenbaum. Barrett, welcome to the show. So happy to be here. Sam, Ari, thank you guys for having me on. I'm a longtime listener, first time guest, so really, really psyched to be here. We are we are beyond excited excited to have you. Me and Sam obviously have spent a lot of time with you and you are quite the character. And I'm sure a lot of our viewers are very happy to hear that you're on the show. Well, uh, love to love to keep the viewers informed as to what I'm up to, but this isn't my show. Uh, it's it's all about you guys. So I'm just here to hopefully add something to the conversation and 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 keep things interesting, however I can. Thank you for knowing your place on the program and the hierarchy. <laughs> of course. So I think we can uh, get a little bit into what you've been up to recently, and then we can dive into your career. So I guess starting off with uh, what you've been up to lately, something I really want to know. Have you written any strongly worded emails lately? Mm. You've been known to do that in the past. You know what? I think that quarantine has certainly put a uh, um, a damper on on how often I'm able to do that. Maybe you know, maybe it's just I don't find myself in those sort of scenarios where I'm upset about what has happened. Um, you know, I'm not on as many airplanes. I don't go to the AT and T store. I'm not. <laughs> wronged by you know a a campus bus driver um things like that you know so i think just not putting myself in those situations as often um i i i i'm able to spend more time focusing on work on exercise on you know talking to friends and not as much time on you know what is a a synonym for for some word that i probably wouldn't even use anyway and for some of the viewers out there that don't know barrett uh Barrett is the the guy who when, when something goes wrong, like I said, whether you're wrong by a campus bus driver or you have a you have a shitty server at a restaurant, he will know about it. He will let the restaurant know about it. He will let the upper management know about it. But he does it in such a, a kind a kind way that gets his point across. And then is like, 
I was just telling Sam. Sam was letting out a, like a slight, mm, as if what Ari was saying was not true. So I just want the, the record to show that I am very kind, very respectful. And I follow the necessary bureaucratic processes put in place in order to voice such complaints and to make myself feel heard. Um, you know, I'm in sales. Uh, I, I really have a lot of respect for those in the service industry. And that's exactly what it is, service, right? So that's got to be at the heart of whatever it is, whether we're talking about, um, you know, people that work at, you know, Charlie Big's Chicken in the right food court, or, or we're talking about, uh, you know, big wig executives. Um, which it's all about the service industry. Do you think that the very eloquent and, and possibly overly wordy emails that you've been known to write would ever come across as condescending to a low-level customer service representative that may have to field those uh, emails? Hmm. You know, I don't think so. Okay. That's fine. The answer is no. Okay. For the record, it is a no. I would maybe beg to differ, but... But it's, also, it's also been years since I've written an email like that. Shout out Jordan, my girlfriend. She just had to write one to Orange Theory Fitness because she hasn't been there in six months, but they keep putting her account on hold, but then they charge her like a fee to put the account on hold for another month. So I just gave her some some pointers on uh, what her email was to Orange Theory Fitness, and I hope that it was well received. Say what you want about Orange Theory Fitness. I've had one run in with them, and it was it was uh, I'm forever loyal. Uh, I think Sam knows the story. I went out one, this is when I was living at home in Chicago or back in the suburbs and I was taking the train back and I was, after a night of going out, I was pretty hungover and I like really started to not feel good. Like I was really dizzy. Like I was sweating. I thought I was going to pass out. So I like got off the train, not sure where I was. And I like stumbled into an orange theory and asked for help. And they like nursed me back to health. They gave me like a cold compress on my head, some water. They let me use the bathroom. And, and I think they're really good people. So whatever they're doing with Jordan, I, I'm, I'm loyal to orange theory. Yeah, That's the only time I've ever been. I remember rushing a fraternity my freshman year of college. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on that topic of, uh, thinking that you're in the right and, and uh, addressing people as such. Have you been in a public situation where you've aggressively said, you know what, to a complete stranger? <laughs> you know what? Actually, about 15 minutes ago, I almost did. I'm at the grocery store and this, I like went to get something in front of this guy and I reached across him and I said, you know, excuse me, very politely. I turned around and as I'm like turning around, he pushes his cart and the bottom part of his cart just goes right into the back of my heel. And I didn't say anything to this guy, but I went, oh, bad radio, but it's basically like a wince, turn away and not look directly at this guy as if to say, what on earth are you doing? You just rammed your cart into the back of my heel and it really hurt. <laughs> but you didn't say, you know what? You know what? Well, I think that it shows growth, that I wasn't as confrontational about it as I may have been in the past. That's it's hard idea. to be confrontational right now, too, especially with COVID. You can't get as close to the person as you want to. And I think that there's some notion of a, you know, we're all in this together mentality. Yeah, we're, we're all into it. We're all in this together until they ram their shopping cart into the back of your heel and then it's on. If he hit you with his shopping cart, he wasn't maintaining six feet of its distance. So I think moving on, um, Barrett. In college, you had a bit of an accident, shall we say, on the basketball court, and you tore your ACL. What has your recovery been like, and would you say currently that you're in the best physical shape of your life? Uh, you guys were both on that court when that happened, right? No, I Correct. wasn't. Sam I was, I was. was. Had I not um, gotten injured, I would have put a filthy Euro step on Jake Goldberg and got my team to win. Um, but you know what? I went down. There was a uh, rec league team playing next to us. Uh, one of the referees saw me and he said, do you need help? And I said, yes. Um, but um, that was probably February. No, that was not February. That was probably beginning of February because in March I retore the ACL in Cancun. Worst spring break trip of my life. But to answer your question, Sam, um, I feel great. I'm in great uh, physical shape. I've been playing tennis, basketball, running, 
no leg brace. My mile time is faster than it's ever been. Um, and I'm at a lean, mean 211 pounds right now, for those wondering. Svelte. That's, that's my fighting weight. <laughs> that's good to hear. Uh, Barrett, we also have a pretty nice, I would say, friendly, competitive Apple Watch ring closing competition going on right now. I think I might have the edge today. I have closed two of my three rings. You know what? I think you you will. Today actually was a light workout day for me. I just did a yoga class this morning, and then I was at the driving range, but I didn't go for a run, go to the gym, anything like that. So yes. Um, Sam, do you give me any credit for getting you on the Apple Watch bandwagon? Uh, my dad got me the watch, but you did get me on the sharing portion of the... Oh, you know what? I don't work at Apple, so... Okay. <laughs> you've you've done very well for a non-employee. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been fun kind of seeing where you're at, and it's actually kind of motivational. My question about yoga, I guess, is: Are you a shirt off guy when you're by yourself doing yoga, or shirt on? Absolutely, shirt off. I'm a shirt off when I'm at the studio. Are you kidding? True. Respect. We've we've all done yoga together. That is true. That's, that's actually true. Um, you you have a great handstand or a headstand too. You I cannot balance it. I really haven't found that balance yet. But you just go up like a pro. Thank you. I appreciate your recognition of my inversion practice. But that's all it is. It's a practice. You know, it's still evolving. It's still changing. It's still growing. Um, and this was what November 2019 when you guys came and stayed with me in Austin. We had a lovely time, and these guys were gracious enough to join me at my studio for a class. Shout out Wanderlust Yoga. I still get emails from them about <laughs> monthly subscription packages. We also went to the Jack Harlow concert, and you guys got to give me some credit for bringing you for that before he blew up. I, I yeah, I I got to really give you some credit. He there there weren't that many people there. We were very close to the stage, and uh, now he's eating chicken wings with Lou Williams in strip clubs in Atlanta. So good for him. Um, and we're so we're talking about Austin. Um, that was my first time in Austin. And it was a really good time. It's a very unique place. And just recently, I was listening to Matthew McConaughey's uh, audio tape. And in it, he said, uh, Austin's a type of place where you could find a and you could walk into a bar and find a, a, a cowboy to the right of you, a lesbian to the left of you, and an Indian across the bar. Would you, would you say Austin's that type of place? Absolutely. Absolutely. Austin is a weird town, but it's a great town. Uh, I live there for three years. I'm now back in New York, uh, but I, you know, wouldn't change that time for anything. I would highly recommend Austin to anyone that's, you know, looking for a change of pace, young professionals looking to get into the tech industry. Um, and really anyone who just wants to have kind of a fun weekend away, whether that's eating tacos or barbecue or going to live music, if that's ever a thing again. Um, and, and really just looking for uh, some more cool to hang out. But I think that you guys both got that vibe. I know Sam came down a couple times, but Ari, I hope that your, your first weekend there was a good one. Yeah, actually. And um, for some of the viewers that know, I am considering relocating down the line. I just lived in Chicago my whole life, and, and I definitely want a little change of pace. And, and Austin is, is on the list. I, I haven't decided where yet, but it, it is on the list. And a really really cool place and i also definitely think that's a place i mean i know a few people there but it's a place you could kind of go to like by yourself and like end up making a lot of really good friends absolutely ari listens to joe rogan one time and now he's thinking about moving to austin <laughs> ari wants to go find alex jones thank <laughs> you all right moving to austin i'm on the bandwagon <laughs> Last time I was in Austin, I was on South Congress, which is like one of the main, you know, streets there. And um, this is before the election and this like massive black monster truck comes by with this huge sign that says like, you know, Trump 2020 on it or something. And these guys were on it. And then it was like just saying just literally yelling like terrible things about Joe Biden, about Hillary Clinton, about Kamala Harris. And I'm like, oh, God. Now I look at the license plate and it just says Infowars on it. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> Austin is quite the melting pot just from a cultural perspective, like Ari had mentioned. Um, what were your favorite things to do in Austin and was one of them waiting for six hours to get barbecue? You know what? I actually only did that one time. Actually, I didn't wait. This is a, this is a good story. Our listeners will hopefully know uh, Danny Faneroff. 
this is a this is a throwback shout out Fanneroff. um but he was in austin and he was texting me and i had actually lived right across the street from franklin barbecue and he was like hey i'm here i'm getting franklin's i'm like all right like i live right by there um and i i had woken up early at like 8 a.m and i looked out and i actually saw him in line franklin's didn't open up until 11 and he texted me he was like i'm in line and i was like all right, I'm not going to go out there just yet. So I just kind of hung out, like watched like some college game day or whatever, like had a cup of coffee, made some, you know, a, a little small bite to eat or something like that. And then at about 1030, I was like, hey, just woke up. Are you still online? He's like, yeah, I'm here. Go down, hang out with him and his girlfriend for like, you know, 25 minutes. Franklin Barbecue opens up and we're like sixth in line to like get some brisket. Short story, Fanny, thank you for being there all morning and waiting. I'm sorry that I didn't come out there sooner, but that was my one experience actually eating Franklin barbecue. That's exactly the type of mood move that you would have objected to if you had been in line. You, you would have said something to you if you cut yourself. I know. It was a really, really like egregious chat and cut. <laughs> you are the social assassin, so that is a, uh, that's very on brand for you to do, actually. Well, thank you. But the, some of those those Austin barbecue places like Franklin and uh, Terry Black's, like the line is always just so long. And and if you have an opportunity to get in, you, you just take it. Absolutely. Franklin, Terry Black's, you know, some of the best times that I've actually eaten those have been like at work when, you know, it's catered and it's like a team event and it's like there for free and you don't have to wait for it. You come into a room and you eat some brisket. But other than that, you know, taco joint. Um, taco my- joint was great right? Taco joint, taco deli. Um, there's so many different options there. I could go on all day about different restaurants. But in and out burger. No, <laughs> no. I love it. You guys, you guys insisted that the three of us go to in and out burger when you were there and I was so against it. Yeah. That was a point of contention for us. I don't think our friendship's ever been the same since. But we did compromise by going to, was it Kane's late night? Where we sat in no, the... No, we, uh, we compromised by going to Jack Harlow, which not, which neither you or me wanted to go to. And Barrett was like, I bought the tickets. I was like, oh, you bought the tickets for us? He's like, no, you guys are going to pay me, but I bought the tickets. That's true. And for those that don't know, we we didn't have a car. We were drinking that night, and the Uber had dropped us off at, at Raising Cane's to try and go in and get the chicken. So we had to find some guy named Derek who was driving in his own car by himself in the drive through line and then just be like, hey, Derek, like, can you order for us? Shout out, Derek. And you were standing in the back petting his dog. His <laughs> dog's... No, his name was Dylan. Dylan, you're right. Yeah. How could we forget? Hopefully Dylan's a listener. Maybe he'll come on down the line. Ari, you'd mentioned uh, Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. Um, you had told me that you would listen to it and then I recently got Audible, and that was the first book that I had listened to uh, driving like a 10-hour drive from uh, North Carolina to New York, and I really enjoyed it. What did you think? Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good book. Um, obviously, I wanted to get it on, on audio because he's got just like a very soothing voice, and he has a very interesting life story. And the book is all about catching those green lights when, you know, when things are going good. His whole premise was when things are going good, you write it down and that's your green light. And he's just documented a lot of his life. For anyone who wants a good audiobook, definitely highly recommend it. He gives a thorough description of Austin in it. Absolutely. And and I think it's important to to mention that we can't have green lights without yellow lights and red lights as well. Exactly. So, um, I think a lot of it is realizing that if life presents you with something that is a red light that you know stops you or something that is a yellow light that tells you to proceed with caution, it's about recognizing that. It's about um, understanding it and having the awareness to also understand that it will become a green light um, if you approach it the right way, if you try and understand the situation. And then uh, I think you bring a little bit of patience to it as well. So I don't know. I really enjoyed it. And then I would also say that um, anyone who has the opportunity to listen to it as an audiobook. There are points when Matthew McConaughey just like says something that he wrote down, that he wrote down, and it's almost as if he didn't um, remember that he wrote that down because he'll read it and then he'll just like start cracking up. So really, really enjoyable. Yeah, really, really good audiobook. Can't recommend it enough. So Barrett, on the topic of green lights, yellow lights, and red lights, um, let's get into a little bit of your sales career. So. <laughs> 
Great transition, very smooth. Thanks. What I was saying though, so you've had kind of a up and down, I think, experience with sales. I know I received a Snapchat an undisclosed amount of time ago that reads something along the lines of, I am a fucking sales parasite who depends on others for my own successes. If you work in consulting, marketing, finance, or even HR at this point, then you're doing far better than me. I'm a loser. So <laughs> that's a direct quote. But I think now you're happy with sales. So can you kind of give us a little bit of a description, I guess, of your own personal experience with those red lights, yellow lights, and, and green lights in your own career path? <laughs> sure. I'm certain that when I sent you that, I was in business development at Oracle. And uh, it's it's a tough gig. I mean, anywhere where you're in business development, you know, if you're main goal in your job is to try and cold call people or send cold emails to people. Um, and the goal is to try and set up a meeting with someone that you don't know that you've never spoken to. Um, and, you know, get that to be a potential opportunity for your account executive, account manager, whomever, and then pass that down, you know, the chain and, and through the sales pipeline, like that's tough, you know? So, um, I had started at Oracle in 2017 uh, in their class of program and was in business development there for about a year. Um, I was lucky enough to become an account executive at Oracle uh, in about a year, a little bit less um, after I started. And then, you know, from there, uh, you're kind of, you know, you're selling, right? But there's different models to it. Like you can be an inside sales rep where you know, there's someone who is a big wig who's, you know, uh, doing their own selling called of a field rep and you support them. And, um, that's fine. You know, I moved on and I was kind of the only field rep in the territory where I was traveling and had that experience at Oracle too. But um, it's, it is hard. It is up and down, you know, but I think that there's a lot that comes with uh, the rejection, you know, the resiliency, the patience the uh, necessity for constant tweaking and changing and developing your approach and how you talk to people, but also how you listen. So, you know, selling uh, is very much up and down, um, but now I'm at uh, Dropbox. I started at Dropbox in April and uh, the team's back in New York. So I've moved back to New York and um, I'm really enjoying uh, the new role, uh, really enjoying the, the customers that I work with. I work with universities and uh, K through 12. So, you know, about half of the education customers that we would have across the East Coast. Um, but, you know, I always tell people, kids that are in college, anyone else um, that, you know, Oracle's was a great place to work and, and start my career. Um, I have a strong network of people that I started with. I was lucky to start with some friends and get a really great social experience in Austin as well. Uh, but I also you know, uh, learned a lot and I'm, I'm fortunate to be where I am today. As someone who also works in sales, I could tell you that it you have those up and down days. And when you have those up days, those green lights, you know, you feel you feel really good. And when you have those down days, you could feel really, really terrible. And uh, it's nothing out of the ordinary. So as long as you just keep w working hard and and pushing yourself and, and setting challenges for yourself and, and meeting those challenges and hitting those green lights, you'll you'll be all right. So Barrett, um, starting your career in sales, what was, I guess, that like? Because I think for anybody transitioning from college to the adult world, there's a degree of maturation that I think you need to make in order to smoothly go from, from one kind of setting to the other. But what's that like in sales where you're having kind of up and down days while also having to figure out who you're going to be as an adult? I feel like you've you're a very mature person at this point. Um, so I'd be interested to hear your perspective on that. I think that, you know, you have up days, you have down days, but you also have a day where you're all up and then there's, you know, 10 minutes down or it's all down and there's 10 minutes up. And, and part of that as well is, is saying, okay, we've, you know, set up a meeting. We've got, you know, a customer on the phone that we're trying to work with. How do we, um, bring an approach to this that allows someone in business development to take a little bit more ownership of the situation, to try and expose themselves to more of the sales process rather than just being an active listener and allowing, you know, an account executive, an account manager, whatever, someone who is mentoring them to 
handle everything. And that was something that I really tried to take on is really just try and understand that um, I want to get as much practice as I can because at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you could be working at Oracle talking about transformative IT solutions and, you know, maybe we're going to overhaul an entire um, IT infrastructure model that a large corporation has, but at the end of the day, you're still just talking to a person on the other line, even if that person is far more technical than you and you may be intimidated by that. So, you know, at the heart of it, it's not necessarily about a good day or a bad day. It's it's not necessarily about, you know, having adult conversations, but it's really just about talking to people, um, trying to listen to people. And the people that do, I think, best in sales are those people that you know, will remember if someone says, hey, give me a second, you know, my, my five-year-old's giving me, you know, some trouble in the other room, right? So you get on the next call and you say, you know, hey, how's everything going? You know, did you start kindergarten or whatever it is, right? So you try and add those personal uh, touches, those personal connections, and that will do far more for you than um, understanding, you know, what sort of database they're using. Yeah, and, and something I've always seen in, on my side is the people who are very talkative and can just strike up conversations with strangers tend to do better. Like you said, it's like, you know, finding common ground. It's like, oh, you like the NFL? I like the NFL. Who's your team? Oh, you like the Minnesota Vikings? I like the Chicago Bears. They play in two weeks. Like, I'm circling that, I'm circling that day on the calendar. I'll, I'll be texting you that day and letting, letting you know my thoughts on the game. So it is finding common ground. And um, at the end of the day, people want to do business with people they like rather than just some guy who called them up and, and could offer them a deal. Yeah, it's definitely one of the principles in uh, Dale Carnegie's book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which, Bear, I know that you've read. Um, I've read it, too. Yeah, it's definitely a staple amongst, um, I think, anyone in sales or, or kind of in a people business. So, Barrett, you've really leaned on kind of those personal relationships with their uh, uh, accounts, I should say. Yeah, I've, I've, I think that there's been more of an opportunity to do it when you have more like sustained sales processes over time and you realize that you're working toward a goal over time. So, you know, for example, a, a customer's trying to set up your price, get, you know, work and, and test out your product. You, you do you go through them, something that's called a proof of concept with them for maybe, you know, a month, couple months. Um, and, you know, you're over the course of that, you're having weekly check in calls or, or two times a week, whatever it is. And, you know, maybe you spend the first 15, 20 minutes of that call just talking about what that person did for Thanksgiving or where they are. You know, oh, you you, you went there. I went there a few years ago with my family. This is what we did. And um, that's really what allows for folks, I think, to find success. Um, and I just use the word folks and I realize that that's like a big sales word. You'll hear a lot of people in sales use the word folks because it's, I've, I've realized that like being from New York, I say you guys too much and I will say it to like a group of women and I just like feel uncomfortable saying that. So I really love the word folks. It's a lot more milder, more kind, and I think more generally accepted. So I'm very excited to speak with you folks today. <laughs> very Midwestern. That Indiana really rubbed off on you. Zionsville class of 2013, baby. <laughs> Shout out to you, Bill. Um, no, that actually resonates though with me, what you were saying about, um, establishing that personal connection. Cause I was just on a call actually with a sales representative from, um, a company that I was potentially looking to buy something from, for my company. And for the first, maybe five, 10 minutes of the call, we were just kind of getting to know each other. And for me, like that really kind of like took down, I didn't, not that I had barriers up, but it kind of just like opens you up to be more. Um, I guess open-minded to the to the product that they're selling. So I definitely hear what you're you're having to say. I was on the other end of that that call that you would be making. It, it creates an environment in which you have common ground, and it does kind of put down the barrier between sales rep and customer. It's now it just sort of just becomes you know two people that have any sort of like common interest. Well, thank you guys for recognizing that. Uh, sales is tough, you know. So. Starting out your career in sales definitely builds up the people aspect of your professional resume. What kind of careers um, do people in your line of business typically go into? I think one of the great things about sales is that what you're really trying to learn is how to talk to people. But also in sales, you know, you hear the phrase account manager or account executive. And if you're working on 
you know, a long-term project with a company, then you're going to have to also rely on, uh, you know, your internal technology teams. You're going to have to rely on product teams, customer success. You're going to have to rely on, you know, finance for approvals of the proposal that you're running up on marketing of, you know, how the product is being put across, different changes, different releases on our product. So being able to, um, this is so cliche, but to really be like a quarterback and just like coordinate with so many different departments internally at an organization is important, right? So I think that that is a key thing to think about. When you think about what you want the rest of your career to be like. You know, if you want to stay in sales, that's obviously a pretty straightforward path. But a lot of people will just want to be individual contributors and to, you know, try and make as much commission as they can. A lot of people will want to become people managers. But, you know, a lot of people may also be more uh, technically inclined and decide I want to become uh, like a, you know, a pre-sales engineer, like a solutions architect or something like that. Um, people may be more, you know, post-sales minded and think I want to go more of a, customer success route and just work with customers once they've already implemented a product. On the other side of it, um, you know, you could think about a more of a, like a marketing track after that, right? If your focus is really on how do we try and tell as many people about what it is that we're doing and why our product is differentiated in the market and how it can be valuable to, you know, different user groups based on what it is that what it is that they're trying to do then you know maybe you look at that from more of a marketing perspective um i personally think that uh more of like a consulting track would be something that i would probably be interested in more long term um i mentioned i'm working in education right now uh, but my last role was working in government so i really like that space um, and I think just being able to be exposed to different sorts of projects, not just what is the technology, but what's the actual problem, what's the business case that we're trying to address here is something that I'm more attracted to. Um, but again, I think that sales presents a number of opportunities to kind of like maybe realize what it is that you want to do. So you brought up the couple different industries that you've worked in. So government and education. Have you seen, I guess, people... In, in jobs that they've left, has it been because they've not found that industry that are they're looking for? I mean, I think that you work for people a lot more than you work for a company, and you work for people in a company a lot more than you work for the actual customers that you're working with. So, you know, I think that people will come out of school, and uh, especially our generation is really focused on how do we try and move up the corporate ladder, the you know hierarchy as quick as possible. How do we make as much money as quick as possible? And part of that's also being able to work for someone that you think is sharing that sort of um, track with you, that's sharing those sort of goals for you. Um, so I don't know, I think it's important to try and find an organization that's really invested in their people. Um, you know, For people that are trying to get into sales, I would say, Try and understand, you know, what the uh, matriculation opportunities are for you. You know, how often are, are people usually staying in one role before they're able to move up? Um, and then what is leadership, what's, you know, management doing in order to try and get you there as soon as possible? So that's really important to consider. Um, but then, you know, obviously uh, in sales, you know, you start somewhere and then you look elsewhere and you realize that you're worth more elsewhere. Uh, and, and I think that's a lot of the reason why people jump around a lot as well. Also, something to keep in mind for people that are uh, looking to get into sales, um, believe in what you're selling. Um, mm -hmm. Don't just take a job because they're the first one that offered you. Know the product and know what you're selling. Um, because if you look at the product and you really don't like it and you're like, I wouldn't use this. I, I don't think there's anything good to it. You're, you're probably going to have a very tough time selling it to other people, but make sure that you believe in what you're doing. Great, great advice. Great, great advice, Aaron. I love it. Barrett, I had a question. Um, yeah. So I know you work with Dropbox and, and a lot of, you know, Oracle, cloud-based. Cloud um, if I wanted to delete 30,000 emails and not get subpoenaed, how would I do that? Stick to podcasting, Larry. <laughs> he also works for Box. We're for Dropbox, Sam. I don't know what you're talking about. We're cutting that. Fuck. I said Dropbox. I know. I, I They're up. different. So, Barrett, 
I know in some previous roles you've been a part of, you've also dealt with people um, professionally as a, as a service member. Um, you've served First Lady Hillary Clinton and former President Bill Clinton. What was that like? Uh, well, it was an honor uh, actually serving our former Secretary of State. Hillary Clinton. I like to thank her more than just a first lady, but I appreciate your candor. Um, but yeah, no, I had a wonderful opportunity to serve um, uh, Secretary Clinton. Um, and this was at a, a restaurant that I'd worked at uh, pretty close to my house. The Clintons live like 10 minutes from us. Sick, sick racket. But uh, this is a restaurant that like one of their favorite restaurants. And it was, it wasn't, it might have I don't think it was Christmas Eve, but it was right around now, I'd say right in, you know, late December. Um, and I had served them and and they were there and I was a busboy at the time. I was probably like a freshman in college and I had to bring her a seltzer. Someone said, can you bring uh, Hillary Clinton a seltzer? And I remember I put down her seltzer and I said, your seltzer, Madam Secretary. <laughs> um, was it, what was the Secret Service like? Um, Did they check the seltzer before? No. I mean, the Secret, Secret Service is always around them. Like, the Clintons are – my dad was in the bookstore with, talking to Bill Clinton a couple days ago, actually. Um, and they're always there. Uh, my, my dad actually said that he saw Bill Clinton in the bookstore, and then he went into this other, like, kind of home goods store right next to it. And my dad was like, oh, good idea. I should go in there for some gifts also. And then when he went in there, that Secret Service looked at him like, why is this guy following Bill Clinton around? Like, what do we do about this creep here? Um, but, you know, I think that they they respect the distance. Barrett, when you were working at Oracle doing government sales, did you ever think about phoning Hillary or, or Bill? Could you cold call them? Yeah. Good question. <laughs> what, what is it like living in, in Westchester? Because you're back at home with the parents. We're cutting that. P-ville. We're not putting that in there. Barrett, we touched a little bit on our trip to Cancun when you had the torn ACL. I think the only time I've ever seen a man cry out of pain over the age of maybe 12. So can you, do you want to set the record straight as to how much pain you were in to warrant that reaction? All right. So probably the beginning of February was when I actually tore my ACL playing basketball at the Hyper. And then Sim, you lived with me for like senior year and you remember I kind of like iced it, you know, I was like, ow, my knee hurts, but I was back to jogging. Like I thought I was fine, you know, over the next couple of weeks. And then we go to Cancun for spring break and um, we, we get there. We're in the cab from the airport to the resort and I get out and I'm just so excited to be at uh, Grand Oasis Cancun Resort that I'm like walking out of the cab quickly and um, I get like maybe a hundred yards into the hotel and I realize that I left my cat, my, uh, suitcase in the cab and I start running, sprinting back to the cab to try and find it. And Adam Indiana's like, dude, I have your suitcase right here. And I like stop in my tracks and I just feel even way more exaggerated than the first time. Like my knee just like buckle. And like, it felt like it feels like for anyone that's ever torn, not obviously not torn their ACL, it feels like your kneecap just kind of like pops over to the left and then maybe just pops back back into the right or, you know, that was my left knee and it was a terrible, extremely painful feeling. And then I was trying to work through it. I was obviously in a great deal of pain and we were showering to try and like go out to a club this one night and I come out of the shower and the floor is like slippery and I just, slip and fall and like twist my leg back and land on like my knee and it was the most pain that I think I've ever been in honestly and I didn't like this was before I ever had like an x-ray or anything like that and I and I to Sam's earlier point thank you I there were tears I, it was so painful um but terrible trip to Cancun um came back about a week later got some x-rays and the doctor was like you have a severe tear of your ACL and your meniscus and I was like that makes sense yeah I remember when you guys went on that trip um I I stayed back I was doing a long Asia trip that summer I was trying to save a little cash but when you guys were on that trip I was get I got very very sick at home um vomiting sweating I'm not exactly sure it was wrong it was the flu what it was but I had to get an IV 
And then you guys came back and visited me at my house and told me how, how horrible of a trip that was. I remember that. I remember going through and Ari, your dad has a sick collection of like signs sports memorabilia and photos and stuff like that. Yeah. It's we, 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 we've done a good job of collecting as my, my grandpa had a lot too that he gave to me. Before we get into the post grand Oasis Chicago venture. Um, I just want to say that I was watching this show called how to with John Wilson, which is on HBO. Yeah. Very funny. Kind of like Nathan for you. But in the second episode, he goes to a resort in Cancun and it's grand Oasis and he's ironically filming stuff, but it just brought back so many bad memories of just drinking like the worst alcohol in the most grotesque place I've ever set foot. And it also brought me back to the panic attack that I had there, which wasn't great. Um, but that's in the past. But then after you elaborate on the panic attack, uh, we'd just been like binge drinking basically for like four straight days and just not getting any sleep and going out all night and, yeah, by like the fourth day, it just all caught up to me. And I just had a little bit of a, I had to go into a bathroom at a Mexican restaurant and splash cold water on my face for like five minutes. It just was not okay. Um, but then, yeah, Barrett, after, after that trip, I think we might've been a little bit fed up with each other because I think we were staying with Mark, our friend Mark, and we were walking somewhere and we were just getting after each other. And then you punched me in the face and I and drew blood. And no, I, I think it, our friendship hasn't it, been the same. I punch you in the face. And I was doing like a motion of punching you in the face and you stepped into it. It's not my fault that I got punched in the face by you. To say that I punched you in the face is such an exaggeration. Sam. There's probably a middle ground, but the bottom line is you did punch me in the face. But I forgive you. There's your story, there's my story, and then there's what actually happened. Yeah, but and then the man up, and the man upstairs is the only one that knows the truth. That's and you true. will be you will be judged when you arrive. I remember we went to a Mexican restaurant and I had a tall glass of horchata that night though, and it made the uh the blood that you drew go away. It it righted the wrongs that you committed, Barrett. I'm so glad. What a time. Barrett, we lived together for two years in college. Um, and I think both stints kind of were unique in their own right. Sophomore year, I would say that you were not mature enough. Um, but by the time senior year rolled around, you had come a long way. What happened between those those two years? What caused that growth? Mm, that's a good question. All right, I'll, I'll be more I'll be more specific. So you didn't ever do your dishes sophomore year. Are you but kidding? You did not you didn't do your dishes. I did all of the dishes. I actually did your dishes in addition to mine. But then senior year, you did do more of the dishes. And you took on an active role when we had to address the rat problem. Although I will say I was the one that ultimately had to pick up the dead rats after they got hit in the traps and, and throw them out. JaVale McGee's on the calves now? Since when? Continue. Ari, we're in the middle of a podcast. I know. I just Let's talk about this rat problem. I mean, there's really not much to it. I will say, though, that we, uh, we, had, we had some rats. And for whatever reason, they were chewing holes in the tubing that went into our dishwasher. So anytime we ran the dishwasher, our apartment would partially flood. So that was crappy. So then we realized we had a rat problem. Also, during the midst of this, my uh, bed was just laying on the ground. Like I didn't have a, a bed frame or anything. This so once bro, you didn't have a bed frame the entire year. No, know. that's not true. Because when, when we found out that we had rats, I did buy a bed frame because I was just horrified of waking up in a bed with a rat. Um, Even though they could climb up the frame, but yeah, continue. I know, it was more of a mental thing. Um, yeah. But I think the, the the boiling point that we reached was when we were all sitting around watching a movie one night, and I just hear Andrew, our other roommate, go, oh my God, it's right there. And we look over, and there's literally just the rat in the middle of our hallway. And we, I swear to God, I made eye contact with it, and then it ran away. So that was when we realized we had to do something about the problem. But... It was pretty pretty standard. We set a couple traps. It got caught. I drew the short straw to put a plastic shopping bag around my hand and pick it up and take it out to the trash. Oh, Barrett, also remember the possum that we had? 
I thought it was an armadillo, actually. It was not an armadillo. Those are not native to Indiana. It was a possum, dude. I was next to our porch for like probably two weeks, and we couldn't have people over because the smell was so wretched. It would also chew holes in all of our trash bags, so we had to put our trash bags in cans. We couldn't leave them out. Also, we had a a bird that made a nest on our front porch. So we actually, our, our place was kind of like a, a zoo in a way. Like we were animals, but we literally had other animals living with us. Rats are scary, bro. They are very, very, very scary. And I see them in Chicago all the time. Those things are big motherfuckers and uh, they will bite. City rats are a different breed. Buy a rat, Ari? Would I ever so, buy a rat? Yeah. Honestly, I, I heard they make good pets. Like all right, domestic, so I, I can I can talk about this firsthand. So for whatever reason, when I was in probably the second grade, my mom didn't want me to have any friends. So she got me a pet rat and it turned out to be a female. We wanted to get a male because the males are better pets. So we returned it. But then we bought two males. So for like probably two years or so, whatever the lifespan is, we had two pet rats. Um, and I, I can say they did make for very good pets. Um, there's a stigma attached to them that I think largely stems from the weird tales that they have. But they're honestly very intelligent creatures. And when they're not fraught with disease, which is a stereotype that has been attached to them since the bubonic plague, because it did carry the bubonic plague back in the like 1400s or whatever. They're, they're very clean, um, smart. They're, they're friendly. They don't try to run away. Um, yeah, they're honestly good pets. So when you see them out on the street, those, those are obviously aren't domestic. Um, but the ones you get as pets, they're, they're pretty solid. Great pets. Have you ever been bit by a pit bull? I have. No, but I got bit by a German shepherd over the summer. Are you okay? Uh, yeah, there's still a mark on my hand, but, um, I was, I was at the lake and this dude came up to me and he's just like, can you take a picture of me and my dog, you know, for like my Tinder, like kind of as a joke, but kind of being serious. I was like, sure. So I took a couple of like just fire shots of him in front of the, the city and I go to hand the phone back to him and his dog just jumped up and bit me in the hand and it, it broke skin. I was bleeding. And the dude immediately was just like, dude, like, I'm so sorry. I was like, all right. I was like, it's fine. I was like, I just like need your cell phone number. And he's like, dude, like, I, I don't have any money. And I was like, I'm just, you need to give me your cell phone number right now. And you need to get me your dog's immunization records. And he was really scared, but I was like, I was being nice. I was just like, dude, like you, you need to give me your cell phone number. And then my friends started taking photos of him in case he, he tried to run away. But it all ended up working out. I didn't need stitches. His dog had been immunized this year. And uh, it could have been worse. Hand was sore for a couple of days. Had to wrap it up a little, but not too bad. But it was unfortunate that it happened. Thoughts and prayers. Was it like the anti-Semitic dog in Curb Your Enthusiasm? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't like that dog, but yeah, Blaze, German Shepherd. Uh, I think I have a photo of the guy somewhere. Yeah, let's post that on the account. You should honestly hire me to do some editing. Uh, little does everyone know, um, and maybe your listeners will enjoy this, but I my first internship was actually at Sirius XM Radio, where I did uh, some editing of uh, radio content for the 80s on 8 station. And you saw Howard Stern, right? I have seen Howard Stern in person, yes. And Sway. I saw Sway far more often than I saw Howard Stern. At the Sirius XM offices in Manhattan, Howard Stern's uh, entire studio is like a whole separate like wing of the like the one of the main floors that they have. It's like nobody goes in there unless you actually work for the show or like you're a guest. Sway, 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 sway in the morning. Wipe the crust out your eyes. Was that good? Yes, exactly. That was fantastic. Did you ever freestyle on Sway? Yes. Uh, there's a couple episodes of me freestyling. Can you drop the link? All right, Barrett. Thank you so much for joining the Legends Podcast. You truly are a legend. We loved having you on. We definitely would love to have you on again. Thank you very much, and uh, I hope you have a great holiday. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. Um, I hope that everyone has a great holiday season. 
um, and would love to be back again. I might actually maybe starting a pod as well and maybe have you guys on. I'm not very considerate of you starting a podcast, but if I was, you guys would be on. I think you'd be, I think you'd be a, a good podcaster. Thank you. Yeah, Barry, appreciate you coming on. Always good catching up. Happy holidays. Well, we may or may not drop this after the new year. So if that's the case, then happy new year. You all as well. Thanks, boys. Take care. Bye.